This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Quick shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped, who is trusted by 4 million men worldwide and you can be one of them by using our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and type in B-O-T-N for 20% off plus free shipping. So head over there and support Manscaped, support the channel and support your balls. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. I'm not Chris Hamblin and Hambo isn't presenting the show. I'm Mike Scott and today I'm joined by... Kara Skipper and Patrick O'Connor as we look back at a game that had last on Match of the Day written all over it. Okay, hello to you on the day of we reco- the day we're recording is Super Bowl Day. Uh, just saying, Patrick, how you weren't really that bothered because your team's not in it. You okay? Yeah, I'm alright, thanks. Good. And Kara, are you over your hangover? Yeah, although I came home early, so I didn't have a hangover this morning. <laughs> oh okay I mean uh, so so Nick was meant to be joining us but he he isn't because of his hangover apparently he got to got to sleep at five in the morning um even though he sent us a picture of him drinking some kind of IPA at about 10 30 on a boat so fair play to him um very merry very merry he said he had a lovely birthday so that's that's all that matters yeah how old was he 21 I'm sure 21. That's interesting because his son's 17, but fair enough. Um, right, let's just get quickly on to Palace News this week. Uh, there wasn't an under-18s game. There wasn't under-23 games, Patrick. Tell us about it. 4-1. Wait. Yeah, oh. <laughs> you know, I didn't know you were going to do that to me, you know. Um, Sorry, I knew you'd watched it and I knew you were very happy about it, so I thought I I'd, I'd um, hit you with it. Yeah, I did. Um, it, was a, it was a Monday game. Yeah, um, Scott Banks. Talk about Scott Banks. Um, I know he's been injured a lot this season, which is a real shame because, like Rack Saki, I think that he's probably the most ready on the 23s to step up. And his free kicks are are, are really, honestly, he can make a career. I honestly yeah. believe that just on free kicks. So he's playing really well. Kirby, um, Nia Kirby's another one. I think that it's unlikely he'll make it to the Fools team, but I think he's got a chance to make it at a lower level. You know, he's got, um, you know, pedigree as far as under 17th World Cup. and but he just hasn't really kicked on, which is a shame. And we didn't send anybody out on loan, really, from those two. So I'm assuming they're doing that to keep them, you know, 
uh, pushing ahead. I think they're what fifth now in the in the in the division. You know, really good step up from last year, and it, you know, it was a good game. Um, they actually had a chance to see um, Victor Kemali played a little bit. He's been a, a star on the under eighteen side. So I'm like, look at the of the twenty three so far. Great job so far by Paddy. Yeah, and they've closed the gap to within one point, as you say, of, of fourth place. Spurs, um, nine wins so far out of 18. You cannot argue with that. Scott Banks, so so um, just to clarify there, you, you, you're not sure that he would make the first team? I think the injuries are an issue. Um, not that he's lightweight. He's not a, a, a big kid, but the, he plays kind of uh, the 10-ish inverted winger type position. Left side, he's a left foot player, plays on the right side. I just feel that he hasn't really featured... As much he's whenever he has featured this year, he's been really, really good. He's scored goals in almost every game that he plays in, but he's he's been in and out. I've just noticed he's in, and I look around again. He's not in the lineup, which means he's injured again and he's out. I think he can make it, but he's got he went out on loan last season to a Scottish side, and um, I think was was it Dunfermline? I believe he went on on loan to last year, and yeah, and um, you know, he, I thought this year he'd be, he'd get like you know like Aksaki appearances on the bench every once in a while, and maybe a, an appearance here and there, especially during Afcon. Then he wasn't around, so I'm a little worried. He's in these early 20s and I think he's 21 now so that window's closer for him so again I hope he makes it again I, he thinks alone Mike just make me want to see him play on a regular basis because we don't have a set piece taker like him in the first team but I just think that his injuries are going to be an issue going forward but hopefully he'll make it yeah I think we um we I think we would have had a further run in the EFL trophy in all honesty if we'd have seen Scott Banks in, in all three games um, firing on all cylinders because from what I've seen of him, he could make that much of a difference. But next year, perhaps, um, in less good news, though, uh, the women's team played today on the day of recording, the day before Valentine's Day, the day of the Super Bowl, uh, and they lost 5-1 uh, to the Lionesses. Um, that's disappointing. I think they went 4-0 down. There was an own goal. Um, sitting in sixth. Uh, yes, it's... Uh, I think that's probably a tough one to take because that was a real six-pointer. Um, now the Lionesses are four points four points ahead of them with a game in hand, so that's a shame. But I'm sure they will bounce back. Right, let's get on to perhaps a game that was slightly less exciting than either of those games. Brentford, talk us, talk, talk us through the stadium visit. Um, Carver, please, you've put in the show notes that you felt like you're turning up to a flat viewing. <laughs> it, it did feel like that. So for anyone who hasn't been, it's hand, very handily located right by the stations. That's all good. But it's the first stadium that I've been walking towards. And even as you peel off um, as the away fans, you can't see any sign of a stadium in front of you because they are just blocks and blocks of flats. And you have to walk underneath like the entrance to the flats to get down the stairs into the stadium. It was very, very bizarre. Um, so Farmini and I were having a good laugh on the way down that we were actually there to view a flat um, and took a wrong turn and ended up in the away end, um, which is what it felt like. And actually probably would have had more entertainment viewing the flat in the end uh, than had we made it into the stadium as we did. Um, but it was strange. It's a, it's a nice stadium. It's quite like cosy it's obviously like new not quite as big as I thought it was going to be but I kind of guess there's lots of restraints in the way for the size they can have um and they've they've kept quite a good like old style football stadium feel to it which is nice it's not massively like corporate feeling or anything like that so um it's good it's just just bizarre it's just in a strange place and you you just have no idea you're going into the stadium until you're pretty much on the doors well and and there's only 1600 of us 
that have, have been, unless somebody happens to have been to Brentford away for a non-Palace game. So, the atmosphere not particularly great either? Is that due to the stadium? Because I don't remember Brentford having particularly poor atmosphere in the past. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it was the stadium. It didn't feel like it was the stadium's fault. They were just so quiet. Um, and we were, bearing in mind, there, yeah, it was what, 1,600 of us. Um, we were creating a fair bit of noise as we always do and everybody was kind of up for it. The sun was out, obviously, for that first half, especially shining right on us. Um, and there was just nothing. We got a couple of verses of come on Brentford, I think, uh, it is pretty much the only chant I heard from their fans. And you looked around and they were just still, they were just all sat in their seats um, still. So I've got no idea what that was about, if that's a kind of regular thing or um, if it was an off day for the fans, the Brentford fans yesterday. But it was very, very, very quiet. Well, they've had a rough time of it, haven't they, recently, after a, a really good start to the season. So probably knock the wind out of your sails a little bit. The lineup. Um, let's go to you, Patrick. Don't want to be one of those people talking about where Vieira was wrong and being captain hindsight and stuff. But um, a, qu- a quick thought when you first saw it at, at TPM. My only real issue, honestly, is the um, the midfield three of uh, Schlupp, Hughes, and Gallagher. Um, it just hasn't worked. I understand why he persists with it because he doesn't have the choice with uh, Maka just coming back and Kiate just getting back and Luca not being someone you can really pick. I'd like to know what happened to Gyro because honestly, I would like to have seen him yesterday. I think we need a, we need a passer in there, but what we're really lacking. Um, I know there were questions about are you? I had no problem with him starting from the standpoint of uh, he's back from Afcons a week earlier than Wilf was. Well, actually, same time, but came out as far as wanted to play before Wilf. At least he played like four matches in a row, so wrestling is fine. And then there's a the right back issue, but again, we don't have an option at right back. I mean, I'd totally forgotten that that Klein actually played against Man United. That's long as that's how long it's been. So could he have played yesterday? Yes. But again, um I have no problem with what Vieira tried to do. It just didn't work. I think the onus is really on the players than on on, on the uh on who he picked. I mean, those players should have been a beat Brentford yesterday. They just should have been able to, and they didn't. There's a lot to pick out from that. Um, there was a Twitter thread um, and I, I'm afraid I've forgotten the gentleman's name and I haven't got it in front of me. Um, he'd asked PV in, in the press conference. Right, about the lineup. Uh, yeah, why he, hadn't, why he hadn't selected Elise and, and slightly spiky response from Vieira. But yeah. to me, it was, it was fair enough. Um, I think he justified it pretty well. Elise is still a very young man and you can't be playing him over and over again. Plus, it does seem that he plays currently is doing better as a substitute. IU's got plenty of, I know people slug him off, but he's got plenty of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, credit in the bank for, for, for the last couple of seasons. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a view. I couldn't really argue with him starting. Um, I mean, I've, been a big defender of Ward, but he, he didn't have the greatest game. But again, that's that's in hindsight, really. And he, he wasn't he wasn't the worst defender, definitely, for people underperforming. Um, well, let's let's get into some of the talking points of the game. Really, there's not a lot. The first talking point I'd like to say is just how little both goalkeepers were tested. Um, for Brentford. Sorry, um, I was just going to say for Brentford, I, I don't really want to touch on it other than I think Greiter was there when he needed to be. But us not 
testing the keeper. What was it from 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 the stadium? So it was frustrating actually because I think the first beginning of the game, their keeper looked shaky as hell. Like, and their whole defence looked quite scared. If from where I was sitting, I was sitting right down the front um, for the first half. So uh, I have to say, watching it back, I got a slightly different um, view of the first half overall than I did viewing it in the stadium from that position. But from where we were, like they looked really, really nervy. And I think had we managed to just, we did press relatively well to begin with, but we just, we almost, I just wanted us to fire balls at them, to be honest. Even if they, you know, even if at the beginning they, they, they didn't have much chance of going anywhere, just, just really take advantage of how shaky they felt. But instead we took our time, I think, too much. And like you say, we, we didn't test them enough. And I think that allowed Brentford to kind of grow in confidence a little bit. So I was disappointed with that because I really think they were for the taking that, that first 20 minutes, half an hour, um, if we'd have managed to just kind of, keep that pressure up and just hit balls at them I think at some point they would have they would have made a mistake and we would have gone one up I mean it's telling that against the side and no disrespect to Brentford at all and I read a, I read a headline today from from one of their local papers saying that Palace held them to a nil-nil draw so you know I, I don't think that Brentford necessarily fear Palace in the slightest but for us to only have six shots um, and, and of those I think a couple were blocked and, and didn't even make it that's poor. It's it, it it's not. It's just not good enough. You, you need to be testing. But six shots against anyone, six shots against Man City is 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 pretty underwhelming. But to to be outshot by Brentford, it's it's slightly depressing. And as you say, a lack of balls in as well. Um, the, the who scored has their defenders. You know, really really high scores. Um, Pinnock getting the the man of the match. Um, but that really doesn't tell the whole story. For me, it it was a, a heart back to last season, the season before, when I really thought that it would only, it would take a moment of personal skill for us to score, and I I haven't thought that the entire season. Slightly against Norwich, but it still looked. I was really surprised we didn't get the second. But for us to draw nil nil, it had it written all over it at half time for me. It, it just unless it was going to be Elise cutting in or something like that, I just did not see how we were going to score. All I would say is it's the first time that I've thought that this season. I, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts, both of you. Let's start with you, Patrick. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I just think tactically, and again, I I want to put it more on the players than on Vieira. We just didn't put balls in behind the way we really should have. If you're going to start Edward over Mateta and Mateke, what are you looking for? What are you looking for to get running behind the defense? Because he does it better than Mateta Mateke. So why would he even try it? Makes no sense. I know we had, um, I, I watched the post-match and I saw Anderson was on goal kicks for that exact reason. They felt tactically we can get, you know, balls in behind from goal kicks. So why didn't we try that when we were passing the ball between Gahey and Anderson or when Hughes had the ball or when Schlupp had the ball or when Gallagher had it? Why not try a ball, uh, you know, a, a splitting ball between the two centre-halves or the three centre-halves they used yesterday? I don't understand why we didn't try that yesterday. It's, it's very, very strange that we really didn't try to penetrate them but and we had Edouard. So we switched to the second half. We have Zaha up front. We tried it a couple of times, but the truth is we just tactically just set up really poorly. I didn't quite understand it. And you're right, six shots against Brentford, even away, is just not good enough. It's interesting you say that because I had a look at the heat maps before we came on um, to discuss this. And I was interested because obviously they, they play a kind of five at the back, three at the back setup. Right. And their um, defensive three 
have a really high line. So it it was very exploitable, and I think it has been exploited by quite a few teams recently. And you know, the preview team talk about their poor record recently. Right. Um, and I'm just not sure that we're quite set up for that right now, unless because of the fact that IU has to cover Ward at the moment. Um, you know that that's quite. We, we've only got players that play ball to the feet, which is great, and we're really good at it. And you know, against Norwich, it was beautiful to just watch us keep pinging the ball back in. We haven't quite got that skill yet to just destroy them, but. I haven't seen a Palace team that can just relentlessly attack like they did against Norwich. But we really don't have that brutally fast break unless it's to feet. And so a team like Brentford playing forward, it, it we're not exploiting in a way that maybe other teams, you know, even someone like Burnley probably could. Um, and it, it, it's tough. I don't know how it looked in the stadium to you because it's really hard to tell from a totally legal stream Uh using my Dutch VPN, uh, Carl. Um, yeah, well, as I say, in the first half, I was sat right down the front. So it was quite tricky to get that like overall view of what was going on. But when I was watching it back today, I think that that high line that you talk about, I think we got spooked in that first half because of how often they tried to hit us on the counter. And I think right. Anderson had a really good game in terms of like the, the amount of times it was like, oh, they're on the counter. Oh, Anderson's there. Like, you know, I think he got us out of a lot of trouble. Mitchell had a great game um, too in that area and, and also trying to help us push forward in some way. But I, I think that's what it was. And I think because we got spooked by that and I think in everybody's mind is we know that AU was kept on for longer than probably probably Vieira wanted to keep him on for because he would needed that cover. And I think like it, it feels like we're being, the whole team at the moment is almost being held to ransom by that, the question of what we do about Joel Ward. And this is no hating on Joel Ward whatsoever because we all love him. We all think, you know, there's no, there's no beef there, but he's knackered and like he would be, and he has every right to be knackered because he's played, I think, Every single game, if I'm not mistaken, maybe not some of the FA Cup ones, but just the Man United game he missed. That's the only one he played. Was I think just, right, yeah, yeah, right. So like he's going to be absolutely knackered, and my worry is that's not going to get better. Like that's not something that's going to be like, oh, just you know, give him the confidence boost or whatever. Like he needs a rest. So that's my worry is that our whole game plan is at the moment, in my view, being hindered by that we are nervous about Joel Ward being. Um, outpaced and it's and it's just going to keep happening but I, I also just wanted to like pick up on something that Patrick said as well like I'm so so glad to hear somebody else saying that the players need to take responsibility because we're hearing a lot of people going like oh what's Vieira getting wrong what's Vieira getting on but we've been talking also about oh the first half we're slow and then the second half they pick up it's the same players it's the yep. same players that go on in the first half and it's the same players that go on in the second half. We don't make changes until at least the 60th minute. So it's all well and good saying, oh, Vieira this, Vieira that. But what are those What are those players waiting for? What, what are they waiting to happen for them to click into action and do what they what they know needs to be done? Um, so I think, yeah, I, I think just frustration basically is what it felt like in the stadium and is what it still feels like now to me having watched it back. Yeah, I mean, let's temper that by saying that a, none of us are particularly pissed off. Um, you know, we've had now 11 draws this season, ridiculous amount of draws. Um, if you look at West Ham, they, they, they've they lost eight games this season. They just happen to win a lot. Um, we're there or thereabouts. We're, we're still a few players short. And you got Brentford that are a new, you know, they're, 
next season, once everyone's played them home and away, it's probably going to be different. But I think it was a little bit... Vieira could have seen that they, they play quite far up the pitch and, and done something about it. But equally, we could have had players that, that saw through that and did something about it. So, um, yeah, it's there was way too much moaning on Twitter. People are very angry, but really... It's not at no point did I think we were going to concede a goal. Um, they only had one decent chance, and, and Guaita got down very easily and saved it. Um, they're not a particularly threatening side; they're just a, a very well-disciplined side. Um, and hopefully, they do stay up because you know I think the, the Premier League's better for them. Um, but yeah, let's let's temper the anger, people. Really, um, I know maybe most of the comments are written during the game or just after the game on Twitter, but it's really not that bad. People talking about us being dragged into a relegation zone. Come on now. Come on now. Um, yeah, yeah there's, there's no need to be doing that. Um, and the one thing that perhaps I, I, I don't like to be um, turning a game based on a refereeing decision because I'm not Chris Clark, um, but um, I've seen Patrick's got his hand up and we get his thoughts in a sec, but I did want to ask about the two refereeing decisions. One for uh, Guy's um, handball and one for the penalty call for us. So your thoughts succinctly from both of you. Well, first, I just want to go back real quick, Mike, as a comparison yeah, to sure. us versus last season. So last season at this time, we were we had won eight matches, um, drawn five and lost 11. We were in 14th yep. place with 29 points. But we had a yep. minus 15 goal difference. Are you going to tell me we're, we're, we're at least one place ahead with three points behind, but we have minus three? You're going to tell me this isn't better than last year? I mean, yeah, and the, and the points thing, the points thing, need to temper that because yep. there's a lot more evenness in the Premier League this season. The lower teams are beating the higher teams. Yep. Last season, there was some absolute dross. So, Going about points and saying we're we're worse off than we were last season, it just isn't comparable for season to season. Because last season there were some absolutely terrible teams. It's Agreed. just not the case this season. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, your thoughts on the penalty decisions, Patrick? Um, when it first first start with the with the Gahey one, when it first happened, obviously it reminded me a lot of the Leeds penalty. But I thought something was amiss when it first happened because I, I was wondering what happened to him, and he was clearly fouled before. So I have no issue, obviously, as a Palace boy, I have no issue the fact that it wasn't a penalty because obviously he was fouled before. Now the Zaha one, I have a major issue with a major issue with. I do not understand how that's not a penalty kick. I just do not. I was talking to DR. We were talking doing the match ratings earlier today, and we're talking about anybody else in the top. Forget even top six. Just I'm watching right now. Leicester versus um, West Ham. If Antonio goes down, it's a penalty. If Daka goes down, it's a penalty. If it's Jota, we saw what happened against us. If it's any, you know, Harry Kane, because it's Will Zaha and the agenda. We saw the agenda based on you know the penalty miss uh, against Norwich and how the idiots were talking about how the worst penalty miss ever, et cetera, et cetera, hero to zero nonsense. It's an agenda, and it was definitely a foul. I don't understand how it didn't even go to VAR. I don't understand. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense. I have no problem with VAR, VAR honestly. I, I like it. I think it's a good addition, but the way it's been used in the, in the Premier League is a joke, and, it's, and it's, it's got to change because, again, the referee, if he doesn't want to call that a penalty, okay, well, then let VAR change, correct his mistake and call it because that's definitely a penalty in my eyes. 
Cara? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think when you look at, um, I think it was towards the end of the first half, there was Zaha was on the on the break uh, coming down into the corner and uh, one of the Brentford defenders that like, ran across him and the, and the ref stopped it and called that a foul from Wilf. And you're, you're looking at that and then you're thinking, okay. And then in the box, Wilf gets dragged down to the floor and that's apparently not a foul. Like, it, the, it's the lack of consistency, I think, that that gets people angry about it. And I think this is an issue with... VAR is that when VAR was brought in, it was supposed to deal with some of this lack of consistency. And actually, I think it's kind of made it worse. And we're not hearing any of the discussions. We're not being given any kind of reasoning from the referees afterwards or not, you know, tapped into listening to their conversation about why these decisions are being made. And in my view, that that makes it work. The silence just makes it so much worse, because if there is a real reason why, you know, that one's being given against Wilf and then we're not being given the penalty, then let's hear it and let's understand it and then we can be a part of a broader conversation but there's just no way that that wasn't a penalty and that there's no way also that the um who was it can or shouldn't have got a second yellow for the time that he that he pulled somebody else down just before the end of the game and I think all the way through that game why I get frustrated is because it's like refs come to ref palace and think okay we want to play a certain way so the way that the opposition is going to try and stop us is to kick us right like we see it all the time and I think refs, it seems like they come into it and they think, well, I'm just going to have a quick, I'm going to have a word, I'm going to have a word, I'm going to have a word and go easy on the yellows. The way I see it, if you crack down on it right at the beginning of the game, you don't have to do with any of this nonsense at the end because you've already le- kind of laid your marker down. And it just feels like it always, they're always allowed to get away with a lot against us, stop us from playing in the way that we need to play. And then maybe one yellow comes out, but then they know they're going to get away with it for the rest of the game. And Players like Wilf, like the agenda is so clearly there for Wilf. Even watching match of the day last night, um, Jermaine Gina saying the reason that Wilf didn't get the penalty was because, you know, uh, Wilf's reputation doesn't do him any favours. What? What? <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, how do, how can you have done anything that means that a very clear penalty doesn't get given as a penalty because it's the player? Like, you, you've gone and admitted on TV there that it's because of who the player was that we didn't get that penalty. Well, no, I, I never buy that because... Mo Salah is the worst diver I've ever seen at Celeste, and yep. yet he doesn't have a reputation. So it's almost like um, because Zaha's black, he gets. Yeah, I, 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 let's not get into that. But um, but yeah, for my perspective, uh, the guy you won, massive cricket fan, and that would be one of the situations where uh, umpires call. If it had been a, if it, if he'd have called it in the first place, would have been happy enough. A little bit annoyed, been annoyed with gay. Um, the fact that he... That, I mean, this is exactly what VR is for. It's for changing a poor decision. And it wasn't. It was the referee's call. So absolutely happy with that. And it should be done more like that. Zaha won. Just seemed like a penalty. Um, but it isn't VAR's fault. And people going on Twitter about VAR should be scrapped, etc., we saw in the Euros, it works if you've got the right people in the right way trained properly doing it. Exactly. The Premier League have seemed to have, have sorted the very worst setup possible and the worst referees for dealing with it. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. Um but also I just want to say we should we should have beaten Norwich and we should have beaten Brentford because we were better than both of them on the day and it shouldn't be down to a penalty decision. We should have beaten them in open play. Um so yeah I mean that's it because we've gone about that for ages. What I do want to talk about, considering we have uh, somebody with Irish roots on the uh, 
on the discussion, Cara. <laughs> yeah, I know this is going yet. Go on. Yeah, so I, I don't know if it was the same for, for you, um, Patrick, but Conor Gallagher, um, the co-commentator the entire game, referred to him as Gallagher. Um, and it really, it, 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 seemed to, it seemed to start a bit of a Twitter storm. So tell me, is there some reason the Irish names are pronounced that way? And should Conor Gallagher be Conor Gallagher? Um, no, <laughs> I'm just going to go with that. I've, I mean, I've never heard it pronounced any other way apart from Gallagher. I mean, if he wants to come out and say he wants it pronounced Gallagher, then then I'm absolutely 100% behind the boy. But um, I, I, I'm pretty sure that name is Gallagher. Uh, yeah, I can say a bit like the Andrew Cole situation. If he comes out and yeah and says it, fair enough. But I, I did start a poll at the end of the game yesterday um, about the real question of the game, whether it should be pronounced Gallagher or Gallagher. Final results, Gallagher, 8.9%. Uh, Gallagher, 91.1% from... Uh, Best part of 250 votes. So um I think we'll I think we'll stick to Gallagher to be honest. Um he yeah, let's have a quick quick word about Gallagher. Um I thought he had a tough game. Yeah. Oh, um, from the, sorry, sorry, Patrick, go ahead. Sam. Yeah, just just I just think that he he misses having Macker in there. Um well he's really good. Will at that him, happen but... next week? No, because we're playing Chelsea and he can't play. <laughs> <laughs> of, of course, of course. <laughs> I wish, trust me, Mike. I wish <laughs> it was. But, um... what, what, if he, what if he goes by Gallagher? Maybe we can sneak him. <laughs> <laughs> that could work. Yeah, but the thing, like I said, um, he's a box to box. I, I, he's much better when he's up there, you know, getting in the box, you know, Brighton, you know, countless games where you see him popping in the box. I just feel that we're schlupping, and it's just not an anti schlup comment. I just feel he just tries to do too much when schlup's in the game and doesn't do what he's best at. And I just think that. When Mac is in there, Mac's kind of Mac is kind of directing him and or helping him. He'll be better off, and that will hopefully happen the game after Chelsea. Please, please. Well, a, 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 depending on Hughes' injury, um, would would Hughes, Macca, and and Conor Gallagher be a decent three? I'd love yeah. to see that. I'd love to I see would that. too. I was really hoping we were going to see that for a bit yesterday. I think it's a, a massive shame that. Um, Mac, that Hughes went off injured and Mac had to come on as his replacement because I think I think that is going to be that's going to change our team quite significantly I think if those three slot in and, and we get to see that for a few days. that's 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 shithousery personified right there isn't it really that those those three that they're proper oh I'd love to I'd absolutely love to see that um we'd have to go back and you know when you know when um we were in the midst of COVID and we all said our best our, our favorite ever 11s. If we had a few games of those three, I think that would end up being my midfield three, to be honest. Um, is there any news on, on Q's injury? I don't think so. I think people were saying yesterday that it was maybe a dead leg. When I was watching the replay of what happened, it was his head that got injured. And as he fell, I think he landed a bit funny on his hip. And I think that's just, I don't know if that was then gave him a dead leg or if there's something more serious that's come from that. Right. Well... Let's hope. I'd lo- I'd love to see at the very least. I'd love to see Jimmy Mack and, and Will Hughes together against Chelsea. Um, a few other things to discuss about the game before we get on to listener feedback. Obviously, not a great deal really going on. Jordan Ayew's chance. Um, I slightly differ from everyone else that I saw on Twitter yesterday. Well, ninety percent of people, and I think it, the the ball's just a bit out wide, and he's not an out and out striker. He's not a number nine. Uh, he hasn't got that 
hunger to just smack it in the in the far left corner. Um, it was a it was a poor chance, but we maybe we're slightly overthinking it just because there were so few chances, Patrick. Yeah, I mean, and he's done that before. He did it definitely early in the season at home, a similar chance. So again, if he's not burying that chance, we're gonna people are gonna kill him. So um, it was a difficult chance. Could he have hit it first time? Yes, but Mike, you're absolutely right. He's not a pure striker. And only a pure striker is going to hit that perfectly into the top, uh, whatever the goal is, uh, right-hand side. So difficult chance. He probably should have done better getting on net. But besides that, he's just not going to score that. But again, but honestly, besides that, I thought he played actually pretty well. But that one chance sticks out, you know what I mean? So, Yeah, I, same. So my quick thoughts on him. Um, as, as we've mentioned earlier, slightly hamstrung by um, tracking back a lot. Um he won't. He's not the kind of player that would hit through the laces with that. And and you say, as you say, get it top right. You have to be a, a proper striker for that. So it'd have to be a side foot to the left. Um, he just didn't have the time for it with the ball going across him. Um, I, I think we're just picking it out because of the fact that there were so few chances. He played all right, and and who scores stats say as much. Um, he's certainly he's played worse this season. Although he's played better. Anderson taking the goal kicks. Uh, who's put that in the show, Docs? That, that was an interesting one. I don't think it's a reflection on Anderson as much as it's a reflection on maybe Fiera's thoughts on Guaita. But um, yeah, yeah, thoughts. So we were really confused in the stadium when that started happening and we're like, oh my God, don't say that um, uh, Guaita's going to go off injured or something. But um, I think as Patrick mentioned earlier on, um, Anderson said in his post-match that that was their that was kind of what they resorted to to try and get in behind Brentford, which I thought was a bit, um, says a lot, not in a good way. Um, it's, it's not a new thing, is it? Uh, generally, they start short, but it, it's never Guaita, or it's very rarely Guaita taking it. Yeah. Whether he's got, I don't know, he's got any weak hamstrings or anything that we've not, we don't know about. But um, yeah, it's, it's an odd one. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, if, if you're in the stadium and you're unsure, then definitely from my VPN, I'm unsure. Um, do, you, do, you, do you see it continuing? It didn't seem effective, that's for sure. No, I don't I don't think it will. I think they literally just run out of options to try and get in behind yeah. Brentford. And I think that's what yeah. Anderson was kind of saying in his post-match was, I think his words were, I can kick it really far. <laughs> which, um, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's literally what he said, which I was a little bit worried about. <laughs> you can't kick it really far. But, you know, I guess if you've got someone who can kick it further, like, give it a go. I, I think it just depressed me a little bit when I heard that that was the reason, because... I mean, yeah, like I say, if we're resorting to Anderson taking goal kicks as our one big tactic to help us get in behind a team, then uh, we're, we're probably not doing that well. All I would say is if if that's Guaita's only weak spot, it was Hennessy's only strong point. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll take that. Um, I, I I was responsible for that in my under eight uh, Sunday league team because the uh, goalkeeper was absolutely dog shit. Um, I wonder what's happened to him. Maybe he went on to be a professional keeper. Who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, and one more thing to talk about the game before we get on to some other talking points. Palace fans calling for Elise. Um, what what exactly was happening in the stadium? It, it wasn't the sort of Max Meyer people making the roll the, the rolling substitute. <laughs> thing towards Hodgson was it wasn't as bad as that not quite no but it it wasn't particularly subtle so I think it was just as Brentford were making subs and I think like a lot of the conversation that I had heard and was a part of 
in the first half was like, oh, you know, this is going to be great. When Elise comes on about an hour in, you know, we've knackered them out. AU's provided that cover for Ward so that he's not completely knackered at the end of the game. You know, Elise can come on, run rings. And I and it just wasn't coming. So I think when Brentford started making changes, um, the Palace fans just erupted into the Michael Elise song and just didn't really give up for a few minutes. Um, at which point DR and I turned to each other and went, oh no, Vieira's not going to bring him on just because we've done this, isn't it? Um, but he did in the end. But it was kind of, that I think was the sign of how frustrated the Palace fans felt in the stadium at that point. It's like, we need something to change here. We need something different. Um and yeah, kind of started singing to Vieira to try and make it happen. Yeah, the, the thing is about that. I think, I think he was going to bring him on because from the television, at least what I saw, I saw Lise warming up, and then Hughes gets that injury, and I think that kind of messed everything up. I don't think he had intended yeah. to bring on Maka for. Oh, interesting. Hughes okay. At that point. Yeah, but as far as Lise as a sub, I tell you right now, it, there are stats that prove he's much better as a substitute. Because I'm looking at it now. He had a goal and assist against West Ham, an assist against Man City, an assist against Arsenal, and a goal against Leicester. As a, as a starter against Newcastle, Villa, Brighton, Liverpool, and Norwich, he only has one assist. And that's the dubious assist because that's where we played the Wilf and that wonder goal on Wednesday. So he's definitely better as an as a impact sub. He's in the Premier League, he's proven that. And he had started the last four games in a row. So I understand people clamoring for the come on, but I just think, like I just said, I think the Hughes injury might have kind of scuppered the chance of taking off Are You a little bit earlier and bringing on Elise. Yeah, I, I think I think that's right, and I think the impact sub thing is. I was saying to Chris Clark before the game, like the the starting lineup we had for Brentford. I think if we'd right. have had that, I mean, you can't you can't tell obviously, but I think if we'd have had that starting lineup and that combination of subs against Norwich, we probably would have won that game. I think we did it back to front at the Norwich game, um, right. and then obviously we had different issues at, at, at Brentford. But I, I completely agree with you. I think Elise coming on the sub is is the way to go. Look, if, if Norwich didn't have such a bobbly pitch, we'd have won that game, wouldn't we? Right, um, let's get on to an advert for our current sponsors, the excellent Manscaped. Okay, yeah, make sure you uh, you you don't pass up that deal. Been been sent some Manscaped stuff, and it is pretty life changing. Pretty life changing. Right, let's go on to some listener feedback. Start off with some comments on Twitter. Stephen Barton, did you really want to pick up three points and end up in the land of mid-table mediocrity that doesn't keep you on the edge of your seat each game? I'll answer that for you, Stephen. Um, yes, probably, but to be honest, I'm, I'm not on the edge of my seat anyway, and I, I don't think we're going to be this season. A, qu- a quick one-word answer from both of you. Do you think we're going to be dragged into any kind of relegation battle, Patrick? No. Kawa? No. Good, good. You say positivity, positivity, people. Um, maybe that's because Hambo's not <laughs> not on. Who knows? Um, Le- Lee Anderson's forehead corners. Why are we so shit at them at both ends of the pitch? Let's get a quick sentence from both of you on that. Oh. <laughs> it's just painful. Um, I just, I, I think the the attacking end of the pitch. I think it's because we have chopped and changed what we're doing going up front so much throughout the season for so many different reasons um, that I just don't think we've got sorted what it is that we want to do with corners. Uh, I think at the back is a bit more down to our lack of lack of being able to win headers. But um, yeah, I think attacking wise, we, we're just not quite sure what our best way to attack them is yet. 
Um, defensively, I think we've been fine. I mean, the the um, Virgil Van Dijk one aside, I don't think we've given up a, a corner uh, goal in a while. Going forward, I don't know what's going on. I'm getting frustrated at it. We 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 use Hughes, we use Gallagher, we use Elise. Haven't used Eze that much this year, and and Luca in the beginning of the, it's just not been good enough. And I I would count. I think we had eight yesterday, maybe maybe been more, and not one of them was decent. I mean, not one of them like was a chance where you know we got a decent header or a shot and it was blocked. They were all cleared basically because I write them down when I'm watching and I'm doing this post match reaction show after, and they were all like cleared first time by Brentford. So we've got to get better. I don't know if we practice them enough or we are practicing them and then we get in the game but not doing it properly. But I agree. As far as going forward, we are terrible and have to get better at corners. Yeah, I'm not sure. I assumed Elise Haywards would change things, but um, who knows whether he's getting to do what he wants or or whether he's been defined into a, a pre-existing plan. Um, we'll see. I, I I do definitely agree though that we've got we've got better on defending him. It's it's not as bad. My heart isn't in my mouth every single corner. Right. Uh, I'll go on to this one and answer this one quickly, Mister Cabby's parent. Thank you as always. As RU is so poor at shooting and so good at drawing fouls, should he just stop shooting and wait for the foul? <laughs> He's in certain situations, um, shooting does suit him. I think when it comes to quick fire, long range shooting, it's it's not his thing. You know, we've seen some amazing goals from Jordan IU, but the referee in inconsistency recently, why wait for the foul? Because you there's just as much chance you're not going to get it and make to look like an absolute idiot. So um, it's, a, it's a tough one, but um, everyone expected him to have a crack yesterday. I, I just I just don't think it's his strong strong point. Um, there's other situations where he'd, he'd, he'd put one, you know, chip, chip one over the key for or something. Um, so that, that just isn't, that isn't his game. Jimmy Dawes, Dawesy 16. The whole of the referee's union agenda against Wilfred Zaha is getting beyond a joke now. I actually think this season it's not been as bad as others. Um Quick thoughts from, from, from you both, Patrick? It's definitely not as bad, but it's still not very good. I mean, I could do a whole show on agendas against Wilf about people moaning about yeah. why is he so moany. But if you were a footballer and didn't get calls you thought you should get, I don't think you'd be running around the pitch smiling the entire time. So, again, I think it's it's not as bad this year, I agree, but it's not, it's not very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, it just comes down to the fact that you've got officials that are nowhere near as fit and they weren't right. professional footballers trying to work out what Vil- Wilfred Zaha's doing and they just don't know. Um, Greg Eggs. That's a, another egg-related name. Excellent. Our performances of late have been lacklustre and we're stuck in a rut. Vieira needs to change things up. E.g. try something other than 4-3-3 with pretty much the same lineup every game. We give him credit for doing it early in the season. So why has he stopped? Cara? Yeah, I. so I feel like this is... I feel like sometimes we forget how many at different points we've had different players out this season and how well we've dealt with that. Like I think in previous seasons, we've gone into that like time period where we've got loads of people out at once. But if you think about it, we've had like one key player here or there out for one reason or another. And it's just, I think that's catching up with us at this point in the season where I think I said last in the last pod, like we've got all of these puzzle pieces that would be great if we can just work out how to put them all together. So we, we just have to keep plugging away and keep trying to find out how these um, combinations work, but not forgetting that that we have had quite a few of those key players out and it is it does take time and it is going to take time for players to click with each other um, and, and to work out e- each other's best. So, um, 
yeah, I don't know. I, I sense a little bit of Vieira criticism in that, which is fine to kind of, you know, criticise him a bit. But I, I think we do just need to keep having a bit of patience and not have the expectation that we're going to have a dream team overnight. Yeah, fair. I mean, he's only had two transfer windows. I will temper that by just saying I'm, I'm in. I'm absolutely pro PV. Um, I think he's underutilised Eze a little bit recently. And um, I think that Patrick was right earlier to say that Schlupp isn't right in this three. Although that's two managers in a row that absolutely love playing Schlupp. So maybe yep. they know something that we don't. Um, so yeah, uh, Patrick, one for you. Unpopular opinion, Gallagher has been poor for weeks now. England call-up has ruined him. Thoughts from Andy the Twat? I would say that, but again, I, my, I really believe it's more the uh, the Macca loss than the England call-up. Now, it, you know, you could you could say that because yep. I've always thought in the past when a Paddles player gets called up to England, it's never going to be a good thing. Either their form drops off or they get tapped up and end up leaving the season after. So, But I think in this case, it's more the, it's more the way we're playing and him trying to do too much without Macca than than the England call-up, but hopefully I'll be proved correct when Macca returns. Yeah, and I mean, let's not forget now that we've pretty much definitely only got, what, 14 games left with Gallagher, so we've got to find solutions without him anyway. Exactly. Charlie Sheen, presumably not that Charlie Sheen. The Charlie Sheen. Yeah, the Charlie Sheen. What a man, what a man, what a man. Absolutely batshit. Um. We looked more... Da- <laughs> What's he done? Have I missed out? Has he said something horrific? No, I'm watching the West Ham goal game and it was a handball goal and they're giving it as a goal and I don't understand that's not a handball. I'm just... Oh, I thought you said I'm going to let that go. I thought I thought you meant that I'd, <laughs> I'd been complimentary about Charlie Shane. <laughs> I, I, do, I, do, I do think he has done some dodgy stuff though, but I don't want to say it on a podcast. Very you. dodgy stuff, by the way, Charlie Shane, but let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think the the initial we're going to let that go probably stands. Excellent. Well, I I mean, I have the worst taste humour in the history of existence, so um, probably not the one to talk to. We looked more dangerous when we played Benteke with Edouard off him at the start of the year. Should we look at a 4-3-3 with Benteke at the spearhead? How do we get the attacking forces to gel? A lot in that, Charlie. Um, uh, Cara... Try and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if we knew the answer to that, we, we'd see it on the pitch, right? If like anyone had the answer to that, I, I do think yesterday I was thinking should Benteke have had some time to come on. I felt like some of the some of the very few balls that we were whipping into the box for who? Huh? Sorry. Who would he have replaced? Um, may, well, maybe coming on instead of Mateta coming on, but then at the same time, obviously um, Mateta's the one that's been in form. So I, I don't, I, I don't have a really strong feeling about it. But I was thinking yesterday, like this feels like maybe a game that Benteke could have impacted a bit. But um, I, I think the, the the issue is that we've got a lot of different options, and until we work out what we're doing with Joel Ward and what we're therefore then doing with midfield, that I think is going to dictate what our best situation is up front. And I think until that does get resolved, we are just going to have this, like, how do we compensate for what's going on behind the attack with the people at the front, if that makes sense. I, I don't I don't know if we're allowing our attackers to do their best jobs that they can do at the moment without sorting out the issues on the the, the rest of the pitch. Yeah, I think we've I think we've covered that. And we'll finish off with uh TJ Rado. What an excellent name. 
Um, hi guys, from me, Dush, we've, I think we covered this, but does Schlopp Hughes and Gallagher work as a midfield three? I think we've agreed no, um, but we'll get your thoughts in a set, Patrick. Uh, it needs a, a CDM of Kuwata. I mean, Kuwata's still swimming in champagne, so he's not going to care right now. But um, J- Jairo or Luca um, allows the other two more freedom. Vieira's quite stubborn. Uh, thoughts on that, Patrick? Well, I'm not going to we... do that last comment. I don't think he's stubborn. Um, you have to take a look at the options he's had. Um, again, I'm not going to comment on Jairo because I don't know what's going on. Um, has he been ill? Did he had COVID? Is he not playing well? So we take him out. Luca, we all saw Luca when he was in there, and uh, Luca just not uh, mobile enough to play in there. So you, you talk about you just talk about Kiate swimming in champagne. He just he just got back. He wasn't available. Maka wasn't available. So to be honest with you, he only really had Schlupp, Gallagher, and Hughes fit for the last five six games. So I don't know what else he could have done. Again, would I like to see Jairo in there? Obviously, Luca for me, honestly, um, I was a big fan. Until recently, with some comments he made about, uh, I won't get political, but about Djokovic and the whole vaccine stuff. So I'm off the Luca bandwagon. I've been on it for about two, three years when people were killing him. So um, I just don't see the choices that Vieira had. I don't think Vieira has been stubborn. I think Vieira was done with the best he could. I want to add one thing, though. It's funny how I think our back line, water side, has been our most consistent all season, which is good to see. Then that kind of tells about goal difference, etc. But I definitely think that our midfield three and our attacking three have to be worked out. But we have so many options. I think it's going to take time for Vera to figure out who his best six are ahead of those that back four and the keeper. So I have no problem what he's doing. It's going to take time. It's his first season. It's 24 matches in. I'm not going to go crazy until, you know, um, worrying about what he's done because I think he just needs time. Definitely. Yeah, agreed. If this if this game happens again in 12 months' time, let's talk. Exactly. Um, right, let's get to some forward reviews. Um, thank you for sending them all in. Absolutely loads as usual. Start with you, Cara. So Kira Brody on Instagram said, "Looks like looked like Roy's team." Oh, Kira, uh, <laughs> Patrick. Kaz underscore Baz on Instagram. Ward had a nightmare. There was one particular header from Ward that, yes, definitely oh. I aged about three years. <laughs> Devin at Mendy underscore nine. Jimmy Mack is back. Yes, big one to take from from the game, definitely. Uh, Lalitha has said, glad I went shopping. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Imran at Mitri Run. Bring on Adise earlier. NY Eagle, better point than Norwich. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Paul. At Barker's of Croydon, uh, or Croy, I'm assuming the rest of that is done, if he could have fit it in, but you never know. Uh, no Benteke yet again. Palace Ash at Palace Scout. When's next season starting? That is so harsh. Oh, come, come on, Ash, come on. Positive ready. mental attitude. We've got 14 games left. And then we've got pre-season. We've got, we got John Texas sides. We could, we could be in... But a far go in pre-season. Don't be talking about next season yet. Yeah. Uh, Mike Deacon, four-two-four next week, please. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I think I think that's the that's dependent on on the the cover for 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 the flanks again. To be honest, uh, Keith Seri getting close to worrisome. Keith, come on now. It's all good. It's all good. We, it's just, all good. we, we just need to remember we're going to win the FA Cup. Everything's going to be fine. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Simon Denegri. At S. Denegri, yet to really click. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, when it really clicks, we's going to look good. Lee Munden, need to score more goals. Sorry, I've read that wrong. 
Need to <laughs> need to score goals. <laughs> I also really enjoyed that one, just for the like pure. Yeah, we always need to score goals. Anyway, um, Jevons, toothless but defensively resolute. Okay. Aidan McD at Aidan McDonough one. I follow him on Twitter, by the way. You'd swear we lost. Yeah, fair enough. Like Good point, one. Aiden. Yeah. Uh, love, cowardice, depreferent. Oh, I don't understand. So at Stuart Cox, sorry, Stuart, that's probably that's, that's way above my um, mental capacity. But no care in attacking play. Yeah, I think probably have to agree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, ben Agbamoni says Palace lack clinical edge. I can't even say that name. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that fell to you, to be honest, Patrick. Uh, is it uh, Fatumosh at Bella? By... Oh, I'm not reading that part. I know what that one part says. <laughs> Go for the win. <laughs> <laughs> I know the last I, part, but I'm not reading that part. <laughs> I think they did, yeah. And the same way against Norwich. I think they were trying their hardest. And it, I, re- I really did think we'd get one against Norwich. Maybe less sure than this. But boys, boys, Drew, will we ever win? Yes, against Watford on Tuesday. Oh well, that's jinxed it. Thanks, Mike. Um, oh shit! No, it's no, it's Chelsea no, first, isn't it? Two, this is the week, yeah, the week after, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's still against what? <laughs> still, yeah, exactly. still against what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lopez says shit ref, poor performance. Fair enough. And Ebo at Ebeling underscore J, and I agree with this hundred percent. Twitter negativity hits peak. Yeah, I mean, Ebo's, he's, he's really wrong, isn't he? Um, just a shout out to Darren Bland as well, who did a 54-word four-word review. So. <laughs> Cheers, Darren. Not to say. He were, he, he were angry. Right, thank you for listening to the show, and thanks in particular to everyone who got in touch today. We read them all. We can't use them all. We'll try and use as many as we can. Everything we we get in, it helps us to create the show. So it's appreciated. Keep them coming. Just, it shows up. We know people are listening, caring, not just having us on in the backgrounds on Spotify where they're in some Zoom meeting. Preview team, we're back with you in the week to look ahead at Chelsea on Saturday. Um, I'm probably going to be in the Green Dragon again with you before the game, Cara, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's the plan. Good. So whoever wants to join, feel free. As ever, plenty more content for you across our social accounts and a wealth of live and recorded shows for you over on YouTube, including instant match reaction. I think you were involved in it. Yesterday, weren't you, Patrick? I was, uh, and I always am. (laughs) Yep. Good, good. Um, And a chance to get involved. Um, If you want to get in touch, just uh, send them over a message on the YouTube channel. Find us on everything by searching Back in the Nest. Like, subscribe, and be merry. If you can leave us positive reviews on your uh, pod app, that would really help. Or, or, you know, just uh, just share the words. All helps with the algorithms, with the uh, reviews, but otherwise just uh, get people to subscribe on YouTube. And then tell uh, tell DIY he's been miserable this week and he's too much of a downer. Until next time, come on, you palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.